millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. And this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is our deep dive episode. It is one of our scene-by-scene episodes. Today we're going to be talking about a scene that many Star Wars fans love very dearly. We are calling it Kenobi's Campfire of Resolution. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck. He surprises with me with those, and I love this one. Happy to dive into, ah, just man, one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars. 
It is a very good one. We're going to get into it right away. But first, we want to tell you about some offers. Uh, as longtime listeners know, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Uh, get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, we are recommending Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. You know what? It's got some Obi-Wan Kenobi in it, and this is an Obi-Wan Kenobi-related discussion this episode. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for a free audiobook. And Ken, do you want to share our other offer? I'd love to. We're not done with the offers, my friend. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% across off across their website from a with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Edition book, The Lightsaber Collection. Check it out with that code FC35. Kenobi's got some stuff in that book because he, as you all have probably heard, is a Jedi. All right. <laughs> there you go. Special offers for all of you, our loyal Force Center listeners. That's right. A Jedi who learned the hard way to really keep hold of your lightsaber. He's got he's got a bad track record. He lectures, but he's a, he's lost a few. Lost a few and got a few back. Uh, if you are a newer listener to Force Center in general, we've been trying to do one of these episodes about every month. Uh, we call it Scene by Scene, where we break down one of the big scenes in Star Wars or just a scene that we're, you know, really interested in. Uh, so, so far, this list is getting longer. We'll see how much longer we'll list every other scene by scene we've done. So far, we have discussed Ray's Cave of Mirrors, Dooku's Cell of Half-Truths, Palpatine, Palpatine's Box of Lies, Obi-Wan's Hut of Exposition, Palpatine's Lab of Horrors, Luke and Vader's Walkway of Doubt, and now we're discussing Kenobi's Campfire of Resolution, the great scene from Season 3, Episode 20 of the animated series Rebels. This episode is written by Dave Filoni and Henry Gilroy and directed by Dave Filoni. It's about five minutes of uh, philosophy, mentorship, and then sudden violence uh, so it's you know it's star wars in five minutes ken let's just start with the big overall picture why do you love this scene this to me is a perfect ending to this lifelong feud between these two big time star wars characters and the fact that we're here at the the end of this journey with maul a character that number one we all thought died and two comes back and comes back in such a great way and continues that great way in Rebels, uh, which is something, again, I don't think I would have expected at the beginning of Rebels. I always go to this episode when I say, go to season one of, of Rebels, which is better than I ever remembered it, by the way. On, on my rewatch, I just kind of really was like, yep, I missed uh, a lot in this. But it was a different thing. It was a younger, skewed, especially season one. But to go from season one, episode one of Rebels to this, man, what a journey. And beyond that, it is my, my as I always say, my second favorite lightsaber fight. It is some of the best philosophy, like you mentioned. It, it I won't say knocked or completely changed my worldview, but just really kind of gave me some insight into some things and also conversations in my own life, in my own existence. And that's when Star Wars really works, when you can see, not just see yourself in it, but can take 
can take stuff from it. You know, it's, I don't always need to see beat by beat my life reflected in, in, in what I read or watch. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's nice. Sometimes not necessary. But this one was like, oh, gosh, I could take this, this, that quote and apply it to my life. And that that's why this scene really got me. It wasn't just like the final fight. It was, wow, five minutes of deep thinking. Yeah, and I think this is a, such a great example of the kind of storytelling that can happen in Star Wars where it is uh, similar themes that you can find elsewhere, similar ideas, and it's just a great demonstration of sometimes the exact situation and the way an idea is presented uh, can really be powerful, that it is the idea itself, but sometimes exactly how it's presented reaches different people at different times. And it's really cool to hear uh, how how deeply this affected you. And we're going to get uh, to dig into some of those uh, specific moments of how it affected you. And I agree. I think that's part of the reason that I like this scene is it's a scene that epitomizes a lot of ideas in Star Wars. Uh, and it's a great summary. And for me, one of the big summary moments is this might be my favorite, most pure Jedi moment. Uh, there are, of course, others. But I think this is Obi-Wan with his uh, feet planted firmly, with total understanding of what he's doing. It is a perfect Jedi moment of following through on what the Jedi strive for, which is to use the Force for knowledge and defense. There's a lot of great little mood beats. There's a lot of great themes. But it is literally moments of pure defense and knowledge, and I love it for that, as well as empathy. Uh, it, that's not in uh, in Yoda's list that he gives <laughs> Luke on deck above how a Jedi should use the light side of the Force, uh, never for attack, but for knowledge and defense. But I would say empathy is high up, and this epitomizes a Jedi who takes action when necessary, but is acting from a place of knowledge, uh, defense, and empathy. Uh, other things about the scene that are hugely important to me is uh, is a big Kenobi fan. This is such an important moment in his journey. Uh, you can look at who Kenobi is in A New Hope, and you can definitely uh, come up with some opinions. But with the more expanded storytelling that happened in the Clone Wars in particular, uh, and now is uh, expanded storytelling on the horizon, this is such an important moment to know that in this desert, he came to a place, uh, much like Luke, at the end of his journey, he came to such a place of peace and purpose. Mm -hmm. And it was exciting when I saw it to realize that. And it is exciting for the future, knowing that the Kenobi series is coming. This is one one side of his journey. I, when, when we see him at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I don't think he's fully at a place of peace and purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he is here. And I'm really hoping that that story the Kenobi show is that very important story of how he came to the place that we see him in this scene. And, and then my final big picture thing, echo what you said, you know, Maul is a great character and I feel like I really like it when characters get a great resolution, particularly mm -hmm. star Wars characters where just because we've seen them die doesn't mean we're done telling stories about them. And this is just such a great and perfect and beautiful end for Maul. And he deserved uh, that conclusion, and that resolution. So I'm happy for Maul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A weird thing to say in a scene where he dies, but you know what I mean, right? Happy for the totally. character. The character got the resolution that the character deserved. Totally, man. Totally. 
Excellent. Well, we always like to dig in a little bit to where the characters are at. Uh, for this particular episode, we're going to a little bit more set up how this scene uh, comes into place rather than going deep uh, into the head of uh, Ezra and Chopper and things like that. Uh, not that you can't, uh, but we're going to set up a little bit more how this scene begins and dive right into it. So through a vision with Ezra from a combined holocron, Maul has located his old enemy Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. And to bring Kenobi out of hiding, Maul connects with Ezra and lures the young Jedi to Tatooine. Uh, Ezra hopes to save Kenobi and maybe even bring him back into the fight. But through Maul's successful manipulation, Ezra and Chopper are lost lost in the harsh sands. And sensing their pain, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes to the rescue. Ezra and Chopper, really Ezra, wakes up at a lovely campfire and our scene begins there. Chopper is being recharged. A dewback is gently roaring and old Ben's poking at a crackling fire under a peaceful night sky. And as the scene truly begins, we get to see Kenobi through young Ezra's eyes. What's fun or joyful or interesting about that to you, that the scene begins with us seeing Kenobi through Ezra's eyes? It, it's fine. It, it's, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Spartacus? Uh, uh, no, which was the one where the feet of Jesus show up? Ken's not good with his classic film. <laughs> I love that shot of Kenobi walking up and you know, he sees the feet. And we knew and we were building towards this, but it's exciting. I, I, I love this question of, of what's Ezra seen. It is, uh, this is not going to be the first time we bring this up, but it is similar to Ray, Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth and now you're climbing the stairs and actually seen him. Kenobi maybe isn't as built up in Ezra's mind as, as Luke was to Ray, but he definitely finds him as this whispered legend and, and shows up there with the same kind of energy and to, to kind of look up and, and see someone who is perhaps as Ezra's still growing as a, as a force user, as a, as a Jedi or a Jedi like uh, soul to just see this kind of like someone who's almost like, so of the force, <laughs> you know, it's not Kane and going, I don't, I don't know if I can teach you. It's just this, Oh, I love that beginning. I love it. And I love that choppers already awake. Like, ah, oh, we've been eating snacks. A lot about it, and and it's a great starting point because then Ezra's going to still look at Kenobi the way I think we would too of, hey, there's a big thing going on. You got to go help. You got to come with me. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, think there is this great tension between what Ezra sees and what we as the audience know is a little bit more true because we have a relationship with the Kenobi that Ezra doesn't yet, and we get to see that great tension between uh, the legend of Kenobi. And you're so right to point out that, like, yeah, of course, Ezra looks up to Kanan, but Kanan's like, I can, yeah, I don't I don't know if I even want to do this. Okay, I'll try. Um, and to see the, the legend, the master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, he's been staring at that holocron, right, uh, and seeing uh, Kenobi. Uh, and then I think what we know, what Ezra will see a little bit, and what what we definitely get to see is this scene progresses. Ezra's seeing him as a legend, and even though he is a powerful Jedi, he's just a person doing his best under not perfect circumstances. So that contrast between Ezra going, you're a legend, and Obi-Wan going, I'm an old man at a fire doing my best, you know, and that's what a hero is. The hero is not, you know, this kick-ass fighter. A hero is somebody who, you know, picks their moments and does their best, you know. Uh, And there's this great, I'm glad you brought up Ray. It it does have, it's similar, but with a different 
you know, tone to Ray presenting the saber to Luke and going like, there's a problem. You're going to come kick ass. Right. (laughs) And Obi-Wan, I think, has a gentler approach than Luke uh, because like, no, uh, that's not my mission right now. And uh, that's yours. You should go do that Uh, is a little gentler than uh, tossing the lightsaber away. But there's definitely an energy of. Ezra's like, you know, like, I, I came here to find you and rescue you, right? And then you're going to kick ass, right? <laughs> it's yeah. uh, so great. Such a great uh, way to start out the scene. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I feel if you show up seven years earlier, Kenobi's probably like uh, half in the in the bottle going, I want nothing to do with this. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I think we don't see him go through that period yet. Maybe I'm trying to put, not put too much expectations on that series. Uh, but man, I want so much stuff in there. But you know what I mean? Luke, Luke's, Luke's living that part. I want, I want no part of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very curious. I think Kenobi definitely has PTSD, uh, but Mm -hmm. I think a part of his pain is he's, he, he wants to be proactive. He wants to have a purpose, you know? So is it going to be more that temptation of, he knows he shouldn't leave, but he decides to, or is he going to be in a place for Luke or just like, yep, no, nobody, nobody should do anything. Mm -hmm. That'll be really fascinating to see. Uh, so we we get to see uh, this vision of classic original trilogy uh, Kenobi with the hood up at the campfire. So great. Then Obi-Wan breaks the silence. He says, you're in the wrong place, Ezra Bridger. Ezra responds, Master, Master Kenobi. Obi-Wan confirms, I am. And with a patented hood removal and then adds, and when you have your strength, I'll help you on your way. So what's powerful about this? Inter- initial interaction uh do you think kenobi has been watching over ezra for a long time or just recently where does your mind go i i i have to think he was somewhat aware and well you know to the level which he's connected to uh the events of the time you know is he reading the morning paper over at shaman's cantina and hearing all these about these rebel cells and is he reaching out through the forest and connecting i think there's some familiarity there between kenobi and everything and that's why i also love and with that, I can't escape that it's very meta that it, it begins with you're in the wrong place because we all were, we all had those thoughts as fans, longtime fans too, going in and going, Ezra and Kenobi, how's that going to work? You right. Know? That's a, I, so I, I always took it as a little, not a wink like in a comical sense, but just like, no, we're acknowledging that this is something completely uh, different there. So yeah, he's um, basically saying like, let's not mess up the canon uh, from a meta yeah. perspective. <laughs> you're not supposed to be here according to Wikipedia. So uh, I love that. But so to, 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 to the actual question of uh, has been watching over Ezra for a long time, I tend to lean towards recently in terms of specifics, uh, but overall having a feel for what was going on. Does he have, because is he connected with ed, any force sensitive kid in the galaxy? Probably not, but maybe has some sort of sense of things going on. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that he is meditating away and he is trying to see all of the different threads of what could be in the force, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, here is somebody who has a reason to question prophecies and worry about <laughs> making assumptions about the future. So I like the idea that, you know, he's probably, uh, you know, meditating, trying to be aware of other force users. And there's so much in this scene that becomes about who needs to be where, when? And that suggests to me that perhaps uh, Obi-Wan has become aware of Ezra because he believes Ezra has a very specific destiny 
and that mm-hmm. this is a not a part of the the path. And not even, you know, maybe it's as literal as, you know, Obi-Wan has a vision of the future, or maybe it really is just a feeling in the force, you know, mm-hmm. a, a feeling combined with the knowledge of like, oh, yes, the, the, there's this rebel cell and you're a part of it. And Kanan Jarrus is there and, and that's good. That's a part of, of everything that needs to be. Uh, but it could be more literal. You know, it could be that he is um, he is sensing uh, how important Ezra's confrontation with Thrawn is, that that Ezra's place is Lothal. Uh, you know, home can mean family, but home can literally also mean Ezra choosing to make Lothal the place that he is protecting. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting to think also, we don't know exactly where Ezra is going to end up yet. And Mm -hmm. is there even more, you know, uh, important uh, role that Ezra has to play in in facing his destiny and and taking care of Mm -hmm. his business, uh, as it were? You know, uh, I still think that there's some bigger picture things in store for the Ahsoka Ezra search reconnection. A part of me still wonders if one or both of them will will end up at Mortis. Uh, And so maybe there is some bigger storytelling that uh, Obi-Wan is trying to move him toward. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, both in again the general feel and just kind of, you know, I'm not saying that Yoda's connected and uh, Qui Gon's like, hey, you guys all seen the news there? I don't know. <laughs> but being very aware of of Ezra, but also like you said, very aware of where he needs to be shows that Obi Wan's Obi Wan's plugged in. Yeah, yeah, and and it makes me curious to see is the is we hear about you know the the other Jedi or Force users that are still alive in this time if if obi-wan has opinions about yep that's that's cal kestis's path in this dark time here's mine here's kanan's here's ezra and you know it's a dark time but we all have our own our own destinies that we need to worry about uh i also just love the strength of it where you know he rescues ezra from the desert and then he's basically like hello there goodbye there (laughs) you need to leave now (laughs) this is basically the first thing he says in a gentle friendly way yeah yeah. And uh, and Ezra doesn't uh, uh, pick up on this immediately. Ezra responds, on my way? No, I came here to find you, to warn you. Obi-Wan pats Chopper uh, and says calmly, about Maul. Ezra shouts, yes. Then reading the situation a little bit better says, uh, you know. And Obi-Wan replies, one doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared. Is that last line? Is that a is that a dig at Ezra at young Force users in general? Uh, what does Kenobi saying uh, one doesn't survive by being foolish or unprepared? What does that say about what Kenobi has even learned about himself? Yeah, it's so funny. You, you had that in the notes, and I was like, "Gosh, is it? Is it?" So in the yeah, gosh, you I've watched the scene like four or five times just today, and easy peasy because I love it so much. And after kind of thinking about it, I think. In a, in a Kenobi way, it's a little dig at Ezra. I think a lot of it's just like, hey, it's about his journey and what he's he's learned. And and there's probably a um, literal, like, I could now build a campfire more than I could a while ago. I uh, I am prepared for a store. Like, there's a lot of little stuff. But I think overall, it speaks to probably Kenobi's journey, parts of the story we've yet to learn. And kind of this like, hey, you know, keep searching your feelings. Know the whole picture calmness versus reacting it does kind of read a little bit of just like yeah yeah yeah, i know yeah if you calm yourself down you might know too of where you're supposed to be and all these things i'm telling you i've been there done that it's not just old uh, old generation new generation old man young man it is but it, it, it does have this like yes i'm aware of the whole picture and you need to be aware of the whole picture too 
Yeah, exactly. I think it's got just this edge of snark where it's not a dig at Ezra. Uh, yeah. You know, I wanted to challenge us by asking that, like, is he just straight up insulting Ezra? Like, because it, it could be read as one doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared. You know, the way you just were. Um, I think it is not meant in that snarky way. I think it is a cautionary example of, you know, yes, mm-hmm. uh, exactly as you're saying, you have to be aware of the big picture. And I you know, Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi am telling you, young Padawan Ezra Bridger, very gently, that's a good thing for you uh, to learn, too. Uh, throughout this scene, there is a great mastery, I think, of what, of just the mood and tone that Alec Guinness and, and Lucas established together, particularly in New Hope. Like, just this, the way he calmly says, oh, about Maul? Is that what you came here to warn me about? Um, mm. It totally reminds me of the moment in A New Hope where, uh, Luke is trying to tell him how to find the message from Leia and Obi-Wan's just like, I think I found it. You know, like, like he's just like, yes, excitable young one. I am a step ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And, and look at, and the foolish line too, just like, uh, you know, Ezra, as he comes to know has done something rather rash. So, uh, yes. Together. Yeah. But great pull on just like, yeah. Oh yeah. Things, th- things, everything's crazy around me. Wait, you're talking about mom. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I was got it. Uh, yeah, and I also just feel like that's a part of what this is so uh, fascinating about this scene to me of this this different tone and mood of Obi-Wan. It matches A New Hope, but I think there's other things going on in A New Hope as he has this, you know, amazing experience for himself of of meeting uh, uh, Luke and, and destiny finally moving forward. Uh, so there's this sense of utter calm about Obi-Wan. And I, I feel like there's something in this line, one doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared, where I think Obi-Wan has really learned patience and in the prequels and in the clone eras clone wars era the clone wars show he has moments of great patience where he is actually patient but there's also great scenes where he's preaching it to anakin and ahsoka but he's not always following it himself that Mm -hmm. obi-wan himself can be eager and you know see a a trap and want to spring it and want to push on everything and so this line uh, you know lands strong of He's not just lecturing Ezra. He's not just kind of lecturing Anakin. Uh, This is really like, I learned the hard way because I have been impatient myself too. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's talking about, uh, you know, seeing characters at different times in their lives and just wanting and needing to account for change and growth or ebbs and flows and (laughs) their view of the world and what they want to do in it. Uh, I love what you're saying there. That's, That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very excited to have Kenobi learning the lessons of patience and trying to pass them on to Ezra. Uh, He continues and gives Ezra some straightforward information, saying Maul is an old adversary and a persistent one at that. Ezra interjects, we can fight him together. Obi-Wan says over his shoulder, I had no intention of fighting him, though that seems inevitable now. Okay, so uh, another thing that is not a dig at Ezra, but a comment on Ezra's actions. (laughs) Right. Uh, why do you, how, how do you, uh, think through that for yourself of why Obi-Wan wasn't going to fight Maul? What's the version of the way things play out where Obi-Wan doesn't fight Maul? He knows he's on Tatooine searching for him, but he just hides. He just stays out of it. It goes to some of the things I remember you really pointed out uh, back when the episode aired of just what Kenobi's there for. And that's what triggers the need to ignite the blade. We'll discuss that here in a second. I, I wonder if it has a, this idea of where Obi-Wan is and what this fight is about. We always say compassion 
empathy versus vengeance, uh, growth versus stasis is a, is a, is a real big theme in the actual fight we're about to witness here. But so to me, coursing through Kenobi's veins over, over the last few, you know, now almost two decades of being in the desert of Maul is persistent is a nice way of saying, killed the woman I love in front of me, <laughs> killed my master in front of me. Uh, I killed him, comes back, still fights me, all these things going on and how much he's released these feelings of regret uh, hate, vengeance, revenge, and his own desire to dominate, which is about to talk about uh, that concept. But fighting Maul, killing Maul, particularly killing Maul, to be is a certain kind of power grab that Kenobi's not in the spot for anymore. Uh, obviously ties into what he says later. So that version of where he doesn't have to fight Maul to me just means like, as long as Luke's safe, I, I don't need this ending. There's no fight here anymore between us. You know, now uh, I think I think Kenobi is is seeing what's coming again because of the bigger picture. Um, um, but that's that's the version. I don't have the the beat by beat of what you know what that conversation would have <laughs> been. But Maul's there, uh, and when Maul clues in onto that, as we discuss it here in a bit, um, that's what ignites the blade. But it ignites uh, Obi Wan's sense of of uh, what he has to do in this moment. But it's he's released all those feelings. There's no fight. There's yeah. No fight. Yeah, no, I think I think that is so true, and we'll get to discuss uh, how that all uh, plays out so beautifully at the end of this scene. Uh, yeah, I think it, this is Obi-Wan, again, coming to that real sense of peace and purpose, and maybe really for himself learning his own personal lesson of the Clone Wars, of just like, I am truly not going to engage unless I absolutely must engage. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties to... Uh, even his quote in a new hope of, you know, you can't win, but there are, are alternatives to fighting of just like, I'm really good at hiding. I'm just going to hide myself uh, from, from Maul. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe Obi-Wan's hope is uh, Maul dies alone in the desert. It's sad, but you know, it's conflict. Maybe if Maul goes into town and he's going to start slaughtering people to draw Kenobi out, maybe Kenobi will say, all right, you force my hand and I'll, you know, I'll come stop you from killing people, you know, maybe, uh, you can get into that debate of pacifism is great. Uh, but, but when is inaction, you know, uh, not a choice for a Jedi as well. But I like that what's suggested by this is whatever version, however, Kenobi pictured this playing out, he pictured a version where he did not need to engage with Maul and it, the situation would have resolved itself. And from my assumption, that means also that Maul would not have, you know, really managed to to hurt uh, anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, I think, you know, there's the risk of exposing Luke and himself and, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just not worth it. It's just, it's not a fight to be had. And the only reason I'm having it is because Maul's plan worked. He caused you pain. He trapped you. I, I came to defend you. And so here we go. Yeah. It's, it's a great, a great mood, a great emotion. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. We're in that part of the four center conversation where we're, we want to start to get to other things. But, we're, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of with what, 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 what Kenobi Phil, Phil, uh, feels that Maul has done to uh, things affected the balance, the butterfly effect, maybe in effect. Um, Maul could uh, stomp around Tatooine all day. It does not factor into Kenobi's mission, his purpose uh, until it does. And I think that's part of that, too, as we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to some of the other stuff uh, starting okay. now. So <laughs> Ezra persists. He says, you don't understand. You're the answer. The holocrons told me. They said you would be the one to help us destroy the Sith. And I think uh, snarky Obi-Wan does strike here. He replies, hmm, it's the first I've heard of it. Uh, 
And Ezra pushes on, saying, The Rebellion needs you. We need you to defeat the Empire. And wise Obi-Wan answers, What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, you seem to be letting it all go. Is this true? Is Obi-Wan right? Uh, this is diving more away from the Obi-Wan and the Maul of it to more of the, the Ezra and the Rebels story of it. What is Ezra letting go? He's he's letting go of of his purpose of what he's of the journey he's been on and this is a very this is kind of personal Maul the connection with Maul and and it's you know it's important to Ezra but in what we're just talking about with Kenobi of like I have come to the realization of these last uh, about seventeen years here at this point in the story to know why I am here and yeah playful for the first I've heard of it you know from a certain point of view that's true uh you know Kenobi helps Luke Luke goes and uh, destroys the Sith like uh, with Vader you know doing the deed at the end so yes uh, from a certain point of view yes definitely right but uh and what he's saying to, to Ezra is it's like uh, Ezra's letting go of where he truly needs to be letting uh, not just a side quest but a real personal quest get in the way of the bigger picture it's echoes uh, the the every uh, what you what you uh, have you already need is obviously um, echoes uh, the Ray story, so it makes it a, a timeless lesson. Just some some different uh, you know different edges to it, but yeah, I think that's Ezra's just so you know. And again, you can't no one's going to fault him. Kenobi's play, playing with him, but he's not faulting him. Yeah, destroy the Sith, the defeat the Empire. These are all big things. I have my part in it. You have yours. And why are you letting go of that path? You're getting it all confused. Yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying there. I don't. I think he's being, you know, a little playful, which is his way. But I think he is really trying to uh, support Ezra while also kind of redirecting him to to his path. Um, I love this connection specifically with Rey in the Last Jedi, constantly trying to give the saber away. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is, I think, in particular that Ezra is on a path to do good things, to help people, to truly make a difference. And he's taking time out of that journey to basically go get Kenobi. And I feel like this is some classic master and apprentice, even though, you know, Kenobi is not literally uh, uh, Ezra's uh, master in the traditional way that there's a you don't need me. You you need to follow your destiny and you already have, you know, I don't I don't need to do your homework for you. You know, you don't need me to watch you on the bike. You can pedal yourself like I think there's some just real straightforward, you know, you think you need the old powerhouse and you don't you are this is your fight now uh energy there and then i think for the actual story of rebels you know i think it's the the literal he is in a very important part of building the rebellion of uh you know building this family the the whole we're talking about this scene but this whole episode is very much about ezra going off on this sort of a uh, wild uh kenobi chase mm-hmm. <laughs> versus staying focused on his family you know yeah. Um, and I think there's this great energy in these ideas in Star Wars about uh, what is your destiny? You know, is destiny something that is just preordained or is it just that you uh, you are born into a certain situation? And because of that, because of who your parents are, because of where you live or because of, you know, what gifts you the universe gave you, you are going to encounter certain challenges. And I feel like there's a little bit of that in this of. Mm-hmm. you are are going to go down the path that makes sense for you because of the relationship that you had with your parents, with Lothal, with mm-hmm. the family you have now. That's your destiny. 
not just because it's some cosmic force, here's where the strand goes, it's because it's who you are. It's because that's what you're connected to. So that's what you should, you don't need to run away from that. There's, you're doing what you need to for the life that you were, you know, that, that is yours. Yeah. It's interesting too. This isn't a review of the episode, but it's such a good episode. Obviously, I watched it in preparation for this. Hera says a lot of truth to Ezra early on, right? She's giving him kind of the old uh, mom coach speech here of, <laughs> you know, you can't go, the, you're here with us. Lothal, these are your, it's your family, your people. And so, it, you know, he doesn't listen to her. Later on, kind of does apologize for that. But it, it takes this whole thing, this whole situation, and Kenobi just kind of mystically saying, you know, no, no, man, I got this. Don't worry about this. Not yes. you. I'm on my path. You're on yours. It's all good. You got a great path. Uh, yeah. So Ezra tries to understand. He says, uh, but if I had what I needed, why would the holocron send me to you? And Obi-Wan lays it out. He says, they didn't. Maul did. Ezra yeah. takes it in. And like a good campfire counselor, Obi-Wan sits Ezra down with a gentle hand on the shoulder <laughs> and explains, Maul used your desire to do good to deceive you. And in doing so, he has altered the course of many things. He knows your fears, your heart, and he manipulated the truth, which has led you here where you should never have been. So this is all, I think, reflects a lot of the great stuff that we talked about of Obi-Wan being very clear that I have my path. Uh, Ezra, you have your path. He is making it clear that he's not criticizing Ezra. He is saying, you know, you're, you, you meant to do good and, and you have fears and you have a, a good heart and all that. Um, but this this is some of the most intriguing, ambiguous part of it to me, this idea of the many things and where you should never have been has this uh, weight to it. It's not just like, uh, wrong mission, I got this mission, you go do your mission. It's so much more a sense of uh, fate and destiny to it. So how do you interpret that? How do you interpret the uh, many things and why do you think Obi-Wan is so set that Ezra shouldn't be there and it will alter things? Yeah, it's this is where it really kind of what you take out of it becomes real personal on some levels too. But just in Star Wars, since I love that that um, Maul, uh, Kenobi's very certain about holograms didn't do it, Maul did right. He's very, but I love there's just a little bit of just Kenobi kind of mulling it all over in his head. Just oh, man, you're here, and uh, you and I talk often. You just mention it, destiny, the choice that's uh, all along the way in in that path of destiny. And, and this is where it starts getting personal for me of just like um, you might have a you have a desire to do good or desire to move forward in your life. But it, you move in different spots and you have to it's about the choices you make after you, you hit those paths or the obstacles in your path. Uh, it, it's where it's more about. It. And I, I take a lot of that out of this scene of just like you wanted to do good. Maul tricked you. He messed it all up. You're here. And yeah, I guess you could help me fight. Maul. You might die. And then the rebellion or the burgeoning rebellion loses you in that path and Lothal falls and you can do that. You have a choice. I'm going to tell you to go because I'm old man Kenobi and I got the campfire and you listen. But, you know, I, I think to me, uh, Kenobi's mulling that all over. And and it's also a lesson of, you know, you could say from a spiritual aspect of just like life itself can mix it all up and you could find yourself in a place where you're not supposed to be. And I'm not just talking about the bad side of the street or turning a wrong, wrong turn in an alley, but a job, a relationship, uh, someplace you just not good. And you've got to realize that you're, you can get out of that. It's not just some fate locking you in. 
It's what you do after that fact. And I took a lot of that out of there, out of me for this scene. When it's just a fun canon thing, again, I think there's a lot of just like, nope, 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 again. Wikipedia doesn't have you here. Never had it. <laughs> never had you here. But I, I, there's some deep Star Wars philosophy that I took off the screen and, and put into my life of, it isn't just like, well, this this happened now. I'm I'm here. Or even with a good, like, I want, I want to get out of this job and I want to go to that job. Then I got there. Maybe this this isn't the end of the journey that it's not the next part that I thought it was. And I can still make the choice to move forward and be where I need to be. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, combination of the, uh, the Wikipedia canon of star Wars and uh, the, uh, the Wikipedia of your soul <laughs> of the, the real life uh, human journey. Solopedia. Solopedia. <laughs> Look up where we should be in Solopedia. Solopedia. Uh, yeah, I think from a, a canon perspective, it can be really juicy to go, ooh, what uh, what does that mean? What what things would have happened? What would the, you know, the what if comic books or animated series of uh, what was altered? For me, I think the big picture thing is just Ezra's, Ezra's on a good path, yeah. uh, but he was lured here, so now... Kenobi's going to have this confrontation with Maul that he wasn't going to. If Kenobi hadn't intervened, maybe Ezra would have died. What would that have done uh, just to the events of Rebels that we've seen uh, so far? You know, if Ezra fell to uh, Maul's manipulation and turned to the dark side, what would that do? You know, the biggest thing is like uh, this is, you know, putting Luke at risk. You know, mm -hmm. if if word travels of Maul's presence, who else is that going to bring? Like, it, it, it seems like there's just like, this is a lot about like this is really a dangerous move on the on the chessboard of of destiny from Kenobi's perspective, canon wise. Mm -hmm. And then I love what you're saying for just real life uh, stuff. You know, sometimes des the destiny talk. You know, for me, there's a danger of it of misreading it to to be stay in your lane, <laughs> right? Of like, yeah. you've got a thing you're supposed to do, so stay over there and do it. And the, so the way I see this in a real life way is like, if I have someone in, in, in my life uh, who is really connected to me and, and I need to help them. Mm -hmm. And then out of the good of my heart, you know, I, I saw, I accidentally saw a DM for something going on at your house, Ken, and I just came over <laughs> and inserted myself in it. It, it it wouldn't mean that I don't care about you and want to help, but like I'm not needed there where I wasn't asked to be right now, even though I had good intentions. And I have people right in front of me who need me right now. That, that's the way I interpret it. No, that's great. By the way, I'm so glad you're going to help with the, my dryer that's broken. And <laughs> thank you for coming over for that. Um, yeah. And, and as far as the literal can, you're so right about that. I think again, when, when Kenobi's kind of mulling it over and, and just, you see him kind of work through it. It's like, we know what he's protecting. We know he's there and, and Maul can't find that out and everything. Yeah. I think there's a also a grave danger too, of just like a little bit of Kenobi kind of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> we had this whole, no, go to Dagobah. No. <laughs> yeah. We've got all these pieces in place. You're just go, go do your thing. And, and I don't think it's literally as, as literal as that the way I yeah. like it in my head canon of like, he's, he's seen all these threads, all these possibilities, but if it's, it's as simple as, you know, having the ability to use the force is powerful and you are helping to build a rebellion and they truly need you mm -hmm. just, you know, that, that, that you, we can get into the, into the cosmic of it, but it's also just like, you're a force user. You have power. You've made a choice to use it to literally physically help build this rebellion. 
go back there. They need you. They need that power that you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, Ezra's uh, still wrestling to understand a little bit. So he says, uh, but the holocrons, they tell the truth. Do they? Obi-Wan asks. The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. So uh, this is some great classic Obi-Wan and his uh, understanding of the truth discussion. Uh, How does this fit with Obi-Wan's much discussed certain point of view speech? You know, why why do you think Obi-Wan feels so strongly about this idea of truth? It'd be, man, it's... I'm trying to find the, because it also goes into thoughts of like George changes the story a little bit and, and they toss this in and it to me isn't a toss in. It's so, it's just a big life lesson here and to see it continue to be built out in Star Wars storytelling of a funny little Kenobi quirk. That's just really, really true. Um, um, you heard what you wanted to hear, believe what you wanted to believe. How many times do we all experience that or, or see that in life to, 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 to tie into the, that kind of, conversation of just like um again choice choice destiny all those kind of things we're talking about that but uh we we could influence ourselves a lot <laughs> a lot of times in a negative way and i love that uh that's what kenobi just is gently kind of trying to explain um not that not to distrust the holocrons or distrust the fourth force but clearly this is maul's influence so you got to have that gift of discernment that's the hardest thing man of knowing what messages are coming to you and prophecies are misread, right? Man, that's something that's taken a lot of fantasies and, and one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones and I love when Star Wars dives into it too. See that red comet? It has 92 meanings for 92 different people looking at it. And you've got to kind of figure out the truth for the big picture, plug into the big picture, Ezra, and uh, as well as find the truth for you. So that's, um, it's all, it's all makes sense. It all ties to, you know, um, ties to Obi-Wan's point of view on, on, on his experiences, what he's gone through. Yeah, absolutely. I really feel the weight of you heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe mm-hmm. in taking some personal culpability in it of the holocron showed you something and then you added some things that you wanted to add. Wouldn't it be nice to think that, oh, I go get this one guy from the desert, this old master, the weight is off my shoulders, the weight is off Kanan's shoulders, this old master will solve the problem. Great. It's in a neat bow. Of course you'd want to believe that, right? Um, And I think with Kenobi's experience, you know, how much of this is him having some prophecy woe of saying, you know, I I wanted to believe in Anakin. I did believe in Anakin, but, you know, did did I put a little bit too much blind faith or my own interpretation of I needed to believe that prophecy because Qui-Gon did, you know, and I needed to believe it was as simple as at some point the Sith will reveal themselves or we will find them and and Anakin will rise to the challenge and he will defeat them. I just, I need to believe it, you know, and Mm -hmm. then us having the benefit of knowing, yeah, if you interpret the prophecy as, you know, Vader and Luke, as we'll talk about, work together to destroy the Sith, like, or Anakin, rather, but after he was Vader, like, yeah, that's true, but not entirely true. You saw it the way you wanted to see it, of like, you know, when the Clone Wars ends, probably we'll find the Sith, and Anakin will take them down. Like, that was a comforting thing uh, for Obi-Wan to see, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, that connected to that fiery shore of Mustafar, and just things Obi-Wan's experience, and just, again, going to some of the early lessons of to, to Ezra, just it, pull out, whole picture, see everything, and, and it's tough for us 
in the moment. Again, Ezra, every intention Ezra has here is what I would describe as good and what I think Kenobi feels is good. And what Ezra knows, hey, this is, I'm good. I want to do this. I want to help. I wanna, yeah. um, having that big picture experience, life experience is what takes you from that uh, shore Mustafar to where Kenobi is now. Of It's not always how you want it because of uh, what you think you see. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love what you're saying. I think it's so important about this idea of being shown the same thing and then coming away with different understandings because mm-hmm. I think people can see Obi-Wan as being shifty of going, well, that was my point of view. But I think what he's saying here in this Holocron one in particular is like um, the Holocrons are showing them both the same thing. And that is that is a truth, but then they're interpreting it. So for me, it's like, it's not like Obi-Wan is, I'm going to lie and say it's uh, just a truth from a certain point of view. So it's almost like if, you know, there was a table. That was true. There is a table. The Holocron showed you a table. A lie would be somebody looking at it, that and going, it's a shirt. I have mm-hmm. no evidence for it, but I just, you know, I'm just telling you it's a shirt. I don't think Obi-Wan is, you know, uh, defending an out-and-out lie. Right. I think what he's saying is two people can see a table and one can truly believe, because they need to, that it is the most beautiful, exquisite table ever made. And somebody else can see it and say, that is the most horrendous table uh, ever made. It is the ugliest thing in existence. And that there is the risk, and all this stuff is important to me because I think it's some of what our conversation in the real world is right now. We need to be able to discern straight out lies. Mm-hmm. It's a table. <laughs> That's a fact. It's mm-hmm. not a shirt. That's a lie. There's that level of the conversation. And then once you get past that level of the conversation, then you're down to this, this even in some ways more crucial. We all, we see the same thing, but we interpret it differently as you and the comet in Game of Thrones is saying. Yeah. 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 And I just really yeah. like that being, it, it, it's such a great Star Wars thing. I think it's the same. I think this holocron vision, there's so many connections between this storyline directly with last Jedi of, mm-hmm. Uh, this is the same thing of, I think, you know, Ray and Kylo uh, saw the exact same vision. Uh, they saw the events that were going to play out, but they interpreted what they meant in the way they wanted to. Yeah, there's a little bit of of uh, Kenobi to Ezra and Kenobi to Luke while he's sitting on that log of just like, you are. we are all naturally going to have a different, see something, uh, you know, table's a table, but we're all going to see the table and have different uses for the table or different ways we want that uh, table painted, all those things, and and how you react from it, like that's where some of the discernment matters too. Luke, uh, you know, you're you're hearing this information, and and uh, you heard what I told you, and and you know, how do you how did you react then, Ezra? You you heard some heard some heard something, and you wanted to react a certain way. You're looking for that fight, like h- how you react to those truths too, is part of uh, the Jedi philosophy to me here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one that Obi-Wan cares a lot about. Obi-Wan continues, and now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is, and from the darkness, a voice rings out, Maul saying, me. We see his shadowy form, his yellow eyes glowing like little evil stars in the night sky. Ken, is this a good entrance, or is Maul being a little over the top? I mean, the correct answer is it's a good entrance because Maul is being way over the top. (laughs) <laughs> that's, how you do it. that's how you do it this is a fight this is the main event tonight's main event in one corner in the other corner wearing black and red uh all over his face we got more yeah i love that it's great and in my mind i gotta tell you i want your thoughts on this too for sure i think kenobi the whole time knows he's over there knows that he ain't gonna strike yet 
and knows, uh, you know, maybe not exactly what's going to happen, but knows uh, when maybe, you know, I don't think Kenobi's stressed at all at that point. Oh, oh yeah, there he oh. is. Yeah, he's wait. He's absolutely uh, waiting for him. You know, for sure. I just, I this is one of the things that I like about the way Maul was developed. I think it's hinted at in his performance in the Phantom Menace, but he just is a little theatrical, right? I mean, he goes on these kind of uh, speeches, and it seems to enjoy, you know, posturing and posing. So uh, there is a little bit almost of a good, (laughs) a good putting on a show uh, theatrical uh, vibes from from Maul, like I, I think he's upset there wasn't a curtain there for him to push open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Me. Maul. And I, I think it's, it is, so this whole scene, of course, is benefited by where it's happening and it feels like sure. it's a desolate open space and it's, the, all, you know, seeing the, the glowing moons and all the stars and just seeing that little shadow of him is both terrifying and almost just like a little sad. It's like, mm-hmm. You know, it's not a big looming shot. You know, it's not a big power shot. It's just, he's just this kind of uh, thin, slightly bent over frame in the darkness, you know, thinking he's going to change everything now. I think he's going to change. And I, I got to think too, he's probably humming under his breath, like me. And these are dual of fates just humming in the mind. I think, I like to think that that's actually a song he's aware of. That he, absolutely, he's trying to hit that button on his saber that plays uh, through a little tinny speaker, plays Duel of the Fates, but it didn't work, so he had to settle for saying, me. As Maul appears, we are going to take a short break to build up the tension, and then we'll be back to finish our discussion of this great scene in Star Wars Rebels. We'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. back to finish our discussion of Kenobi's campfire of resolution. We're going to get on to the conflict, then the resolution. So Maul has appeared, Ezra stands, Obi-Wan pushes him back down, and he himself, Obi-Wan, stands and says, you must go now. Ezra says, I led him to you. Let me make it right. Obi-Wan says firmly, that is not your responsibility. I will mend this old wound. Uh, I will mend this old wound on my first viewing is one of the lines that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Why do you think Obi-Wan uses this turn of phrase here? What is the power of this idea of I will mend this old wound? I, without thinking that Kenobi has the next couple minutes completely predicted or visioned to him, envisioned to him uh, by the force, I... I think the choice of mend, it isn't, again, it's not about vengeance, revenge. It is about healing, compassion, empathy, and knowing why Maul has shown up in front of him. And hoping, again, I don't want to fight you. Probably inevitable, but I don't want to. And that this is the old wound. It's not just Maul's, it's Kenobi's too. You got to tell you, he's got to miss Duchess Satine. He's got to regret some of that. He's got to have worked through a lot of that Qui-Gon, obviously, as well, even though he's, he gets to maybe communicate with Qui-Gon a little bit more than he does Satine, unfortunately. So it is it is a healing to me. It is uh, all about growth and the Kenobi, uh, the growth of Kenobi, the stasis of Maul. Talk even a little bit more about that, how I, how I think it's uh, literally shown, but 
that's why I love that so much. Love to hear how it moved or connected with you. But it is it is a it is a healing, even though it's a pretty final healing. But we've got to we've got to we've got to uh, go that direction. We got to make it better. Yeah, I think for me, it, it is everything that you're saying. It's kind of a you know stereotype or trope for you know a hero to say this ends now, right? In a big action moment, and I think just to hear this extremely peaceful, calm version of this ends now but just like uh, let let's stop this you know cycle that's hurt both of us i'll mend this old wound um really signifies as you're saying that this is not about anger or vengeance for kenobi uh that, that there's no sense of that it, it's i think it's also affecting to me because there's an um there's an air of sadness to it mm-hmm. and just sort of like obi-wan shaking his head and like it's just too bad that you and I have been put in a position to just hurt each other mm. and in awareness that Maul, I ha- I know you have nothing but your desire for revenge and, and because of the, the twist of fate and those, uh, all that energy uh, that all you want is revenge. It's all, mm. it's all focused on me. And I'm even reminded of, uh, the episode of the Clone Wars, uh, where spoiler uh, for people who haven't watched the Clone Wars, uh, that that the episode where Maul kills the team, mm-hmm. where before he actually does it, where he's he's you know choking her and causing her pain, and mm-hmm. Maul is expecting Kenobi to break. Kenobi does reach out in empathy, and he says there's de- there's definitely some you know defiance and 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 pain going on with Obi Wan, but he says specifically. Uh, I've been to your homeworld. I know it wasn't your choice to join the dark side. The the Night Sisters made that choice uh, for you. So even back then, Obi Wan had this empathy of like, you. Every creature is responsible for their actions. But boy, you were you were taken young and tortured and had all this put in your mind. And mm. you know, he has empathy. I think from Maul for that perspective of. But, you know, it, this is really sad that you have to be like this. And there's probably no hope for you to make a different choice now. But there's also some like there's mercy and forgiveness to it as well of just, mm. you know, it, it is the old wound in some ways, literally him being handed to the Sith. You know, is that yeah. part of the old wound he's talking about? I think so. I, 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 empathy for for Maul's origins, his beginnings is. I'm so glad you pulled that from that episode. I think it's all there, as well as his own. And 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 they're they're just the two different. Talk about a truth. The truth. There is a feud between Maul and Kenobi, and they each look at it in a very different way. A very yeah. Way. And it's a little bit of like this is going to end here now, but gently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Obi-Wan tells Ezra, ride north. That is your way out, your way home. Ezra and Chopper mount the dewback and head out while Maul waits patiently. Uh, then Maul calls out to Ezra, see you soon, apprentice. Do you think Maul actually does hope to see Ezra soon? I believe he feels he will, right? Yeah. I think the confidence of, of him in the fight and the, the confidence being his weakness. Yeah, and I think it's also taunting. It's also like, ha ha, you, you thought you were kind of come here to, I brought you here to I, save it. You know, you feel bad. I'm going to kill this guy and don't worry, I'll see you soon. And my plan will still be, uh, be, be in action. It'll be going forward. And, and uh, thanks. Thanks for your part in it, sucker. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it is definitely taunting. And I think I think it's taunting like to Ezra of like, you're not going to escape me. You are going to break. You are going to go to the dark side like I've been you know, trying to get you to do, try to, to break you. It's saying to Kenobi like, yeah, I, I'm still in my prime. I still have power. I'm going to cut you down real quick and then you're not going to protect that kid. I'm going to go take him. I think all that is there. Just, you know, standard, standard dark side business. Yeah. But it's just for me in the mood. I, it's particularly in Rebels. Uh, it, it is a part of the Sith path to, you know, find an apprentice and corrupt them and use them for power. But I always just sense this loneliness from Maul, you know, that, again, this this life was thrust upon him. Uh, he's never had the strength to make a different choice. But you go through his his life, you know, he's kind of he's bound to Sidious. Uh, he he chooses to kind of take his brother Savage Press as, as a tool, but also, you know, he he feels for him. You, I have no idea what the relationship is, uh, you know, in canon with, with Kira. Is that just a manipulation of a tool or is that some expression of loneliness? He, he tries to, at the end of the Clone Wars, uh, manipulate Ahsoka to join him. And there's definitely an element of, yes, standard Sith, you know, I will turn yeah. against them and will... All of it tracks through to me of of there's this element of loneliness and particularly with Ezra that almost feels like, yes, I'm mocking you. I will break you. And also then I'll have someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the old, uh, you know, hey, the bully is uh, perhaps uh, hurt the most. It, it is all all of that. I, I love that you said that there are some real I think there's some I don't want to say connection like uh, Maul and Ezra could have been the best of buddies. But they're leading up to this. There there's that's why it was so powerful to Ezra, why, um, you know, some of the stuff there. And, and, and um, the thing that's been kind of um, revealed lately, gosh, when was it, was it comic book? You and I were talking about it, but just the idea that, you know, Maul's carrying around that, like, I wasn't even good enough for the Jedi to find and train, you know, they couldn't even come yeah. me. And, and therefore I started that, the path that you're talking about with that Kenobi's aware of, like just lonely pain. He just wants the comfort, <laughs> just wants a hug, man. <laughs> yeah and i yeah i don't think it's like if ezra broke and joined him he'd be like oh well, i see i have a friend now and i should do right. good i just think there's this added element of you know sidious is not lonely sidious is calculating you know vader's furious at all times but and i think maul's just got this slightly different flavor of dark side where there's you know all of the dark side manipulation like he manipulated ezra in this episode but also just this little bit of loneliness that makes it even more poignant mm. Big, 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 empty in the center of his heart, not by his own doing or fault at the beginning, but just continuously trying to fill it with the wrong things. Hey, it's a, it's a life lesson there, too. Yeah, exactly. So then the big showdown actually begins. Maul sighs and says to Kenobi, look what has become of you, a rat in the desert. And Obi-Wan responds, look what I have risen above, mm. which made me think of the question, what has Obi-Wan risen above? How do you take that line, Ken? Uh, first of all, I just love it. This is one of my favorite Star Wars moments right here. This is, I just remember, you know, watching it for the first time and just being blown away by, by what uh, Henry Gilroy and, and Dave Filoni uh, were putting in there. And, and yes, excellently directed by Filoni as well. I love that line. Look what I've risen above. Talk about how you look at things, how you look at that table, the example that's uh, going there. Um and what has he risen above? It's not just a uh, old man in the desert. And, uh, you know, it's not like he's uh, Millhouse's dad got divorced and living in the apartment complex here, right? Uh, trying to get that <laughs> single. No, um, there's a, he, I think Kenobi, you know, from the halls of course, and to the Jedi temple to, yeah, this dusty existence, uh, not always at a campfire. He does have a spot mall. Come on, uh, give him a, give him a break there. Um, 
yeah, there's that literal stuff that he's written, but but clearly, and this is the stuff again that you and I, no secret, want want to to be uh, perhaps dealt with or touched upon in the Kenobi series of just the failure, the loss, the pain, the loss of purpose, and how he can rediscover what his new purpose is. I really believe uh, Kenobi the series will have that that turning of the page and the starting of a new chapter and how he gets to that point. You mentioned the shores of Mustafar to now. It's all about that. And that is what he's risen above. A colossal failure of him and his buddies. A colossal failure of the organization he believed in and served. And a colossal failure to uh, his um, brother, um, the one he was training and mentoring. A big, giant failure in his heart to him. He's risen above that to find new purpose, a new place in life. He has, he is, he's risen above the ashes of what was before. I think that's part of the, the powerful core of this theme and uh, themes of this scene in this episode. And that's what I think he's talking about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that Maul is really kind of going at this insult that might have worked on a younger Kenobi when, you know, Kenobi is a little bit uh, sophisticated. He is uh, maybe a little bit the uh, overly uh, prideful in both his abilities and in, you know, the Jedi Order, you know, the, the great mm-hmm. Jedi Order um, with its elegant halls and temples. And I think that, you know, Maul's going after like a status dig, right, of, mm-hmm. you know, you were so powerful with your precious Jedi Order at the core of the galaxy. And Maul is still clinging for power and to be, you know, surrounded by servants and wealth. And he, he's really kind of going at it on almost this literal status level. And I think, yeah, Obi-Wan responds in an entirely internal way of, you know, basically saying, yeah, I've, I have empathy for you, Maul, because I know what you've been through. And I know I understand why you hate me, but I have, I, Obi-Wan Kenobi, have led a life of horrific loss. Uh, Qui-Gon, Satine, Anakin, the entire Jedi Order, my way of life. I had to question my own culpability in it all. And yet I still found peace and purpose and let go of any, you know, silly notions of status being important. But uh, who are you? What do you fight for? What do you stand for? I managed to make my way back to those purest of Jedi ideals, despite all of the pain and horror that I've been through. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Good job, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Sorry, I'm stepping on you now a little bit, but I just just love it. I just, I just, it was so well delivered, so well written. Um, Such a Star Wars moment and a Star Wars story. It's such a, just a a life moment. if, If they, if you can take stuff from it, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Maul continues in his confrontation. He says, uh, I've come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here festering in your squalor. Obi-Wan responds with a now much quoted line. If you define yourself by your power to take life, a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. Uh, I think the message of this line is is clear. He is laying out a philosophy. But that line I know has resonated with you. It's really Mm -hmm. resonated with a lot of fans. Why do you think this uh, particular line is so impactful for you? And in the story, why do you think it's so effective to anger Maul? It is, uh, without getting too far into the, to the weeds of, of personal stuff with me, but especially in the last couple of years with old friends from my old line of work and just a, a different way of, of living. And I've never been a power-hungry, you know, monster truck driving. And by the way, I love monster trucks. Not a problem there. But just like, you know, I, I've had a pretty clear head of, of what uh, 
I want out of life and control and power and everything. But I, I was sometimes surrounded by some people that are mall in this moment, anger, violence. And unless you win, you lose. And I, I love competition. I really do. I'm not, you know, I talk about the sports level. I, I love that, but I love the lessons in it. I love the, what it can teach you more than the win. I'm an act like you've been there before person. Anyways, I try not to, you know, if I score a touchdown, I want to act like this is where I belong. Not that I'm ever going to get there again, different, different conversation. About <laughs> but I think Maul is, is, is on that side of the, he can only see this. He's only known this. And I think it's a change. Again, one of the big things about this fight is change and uh, uh, growing versus just stasis and, and perhaps stubbornness, a lot of things. So for me, I've, 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 almost quoted this back to friends in conversation. <laughs> you know, you and I grew up in the 80s. Greed is good. Garden Gecko, Wall Street, all that kind of stuff. That's not just contained to that decade. And Star Wars is always commenting on on power. And and the Sith, Jedi, that's kind of the, the center of it. And, and Lucas's thoughts on, on, on the greed behind power, unlimited power. Take that scene, un- power, unlimited power, and, and play it against what Kenobi is saying here. Um desire to dominate resonates with me of just the desire to impose your will of just uh, on anyone or anything or any situation, the lack of compromise, um, the lack of seeing the big picture, Ezra, the lack of uh, (laughs) empathy. Um, And you have nothing. You are just a ball of rage like this mall guy in front of him. Yeah. If what you want is more, you will always be wanting, right? I think that's where like the nothing comes from. It's never going to be enough. It's why mm-hmm. it's effective for uh, at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker for Sidious to offer uh, Kylo Ren everything because that's mm-hmm. what this philosophy will lead you towards of just wanting more and more and more. Uh, yeah, I think you said a lot of great, uh, powerful things about Star Wars and about the life lessons that it can teach you. I think this line is powerful because it's, it is a concise summary of the dark side. It's just a really great mission statement yeah. for yeah. why the dark side is bad. But there is, and there are other moments of it. You can pull unlimited power. You know, you, you can pull it from, from Luke and, uh, and, and Anakin and Vader and uh, Palpatine's final stand and, you know, you know, Ray saying, you just want me to hate uh, so, so much, but I won't, not even you. It's a lot of great moments that it ties to, but this is just so clear and concise and personal. And I think because this is an intimate personal scene between two people who have been on opposite sides and have hurt one another, mm-hmm. that it just, it's got great clarity and great emotional power mm-hmm. uh, for capturing this great big Star Wars idea that you can possess everything in the world externally but if all you want to do is is possess things to sort of enrich yourself you, you will never uh, gain anything internally um in that contrast of a sort of external life and an internal life and uh for me in in real life i agree with you i think it's really powerful i mean the power to take life okay uh, that's not a thing that i've uh, run into uh, too much in my life as a comedian and a writer uh, but Definitely, if you define yourself by a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. I feel like I have encountered that and I have had to fight that in almost every creative pursuit I've ever done where it is very easy 
to start down a path and say whatever it is, improv comedy, you know, uh, script writing, podcasting, whatever it is, to just start saying, I want to do a good job. I want to uh, connect with people and I want it to be fulfilling. But then you look over and you see your neighbor who you think has more and you want that and you want to prove that you are the best at whatever thing that you are doing. And slowly but surely, the actual soul of what you want to do recedes, and it just becomes about this desire to dominate, this desire to feel like you, as you were saying, can only be winning if someone else is losing. And I think that that's also why it's really powerful, because it this is one of those moments of Star Wars where it does, it translates to standard and mundane things in life in in a way that, you know, on the surface right away is like, how do space wizards uh, relate to my good or bad choices in an improv group? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, it relates always, you know, to not de- define yeah. yourself by needing to have the most, needing to be better than someone else or needing to control yeah. someone else. Yeah, I'm so glad you went in that direction because I was going to come back with that too of, of real world stuff uh, beyond just the the big concepts in power. And by the way, I've seen you kill on stage, so you have uh, you have <laughs> killed on stage, all right. Um, but yeah, no, it is, and uh, yeah, you bring to the force uh, the, the podcast or force center like to specifically to that is like it's always been easy. It, it's a step away for you and I. We love checking numbers, research, and and you know, I hell, we recently passed I think two million total downloads. We thank wow. you. Yeah, yeah, that, but that's not us. That's all of you. We're not downloading the podcast two million times. You are, <laughs> and it's easy for you and I. We could get caught up in that, and Jennifer too. Get caught up of, uh, you know, uh, who's watching our TikToks? If you're Jennifer and her wonderful TikToks, you had a great uh, baby Yoda cookie one this week going around. Uh, uh, you and I could look at the rankings or look uh, who else is getting guests or who else is, uh, you know, got a retweet. It's so easy and to reach for that power. Because Palpatine, man, unlimited. We want to be the number one podcast in the land. I think at some <laughs> point, you and I have never been toppled by that, but we we can have our days. And you out there can have your days, maybe with your podcast, your Star Wars podcast, or your job, or your house, and your neighbor has a better yard than you, and you want to <laughs> keep up with the Joneses. This is where that Star Wars universal theme stuff really works. And And I, in the last year out of a dark place which is the post rise of skywalker uh, reaction really lived this line in terms of that of just like i got to make sure i'm not here for that that my will and opinion of rise of skywalker strong as it is and as grumpy as it can make me when people disagree that that's not what it's about i don't want to dominate that there's no need to dominate that conversation what what is here is to to sit on force center and just talk about why we love it or talk about what we get from it and talk about what it means and just Live in that and see where that takes you. See, we're we're around a campfire, the podcast version of a campfire, <laughs> not in the hall of the course. And, and 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 literally, it's not just you and I talking about. I've thought about that. I've thought about this line. This is one of my. I think it is my favorite Star Wars quote now because it goes into a lot of different areas. Yeah, just so much uh, clarity and emotion. And the final thing I'll say about it is, you know, I love your yard analogy. Maybe that is in some ways what I what I struggled toward because I think there is this fine line of, uh, and we've discussed this when we talk about competition, but yards, like if I was a person who enjoyed cultivating a yard, I think it is absolutely great that I put all of the energy I have to making the most beautiful yard I, I, Mm -hmm. I want for myself. And if other people come and see it and enjoy it, that can be a goal and that can be wonderful. 
But the point is where I look over at my neighbor's yard and I want my yard to kick my neighbor's yard's ass. Yeah. That's where it becomes, it's not about me making a beautiful yard for my own joy, my own sense of, of setting a goal and meeting it, or to maybe have other people enjoy it. It becomes about beating the neighbor's yard. And that's when you're starting to tip into mall territory. Yeah. Mall is really jealous of Kenobi's campfire. That's just what it's about. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and there is some great status thing here of like, if he's saying it's worse to leave you here festering in your squalor, like Maul doesn't get it of just like, yeah. your robes are dirty. Gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I'm, look, I'm not suggesting throw your TV out the window and go live in a van down by the river. You know, some people do do that and great, find great peace. If that's your journey, that's your journey. I'm not suggesting that, but it is, there's a, it's a, you know, the Yoda thing to Luke, like your mind's never on where you are, buddy. You always yeah, wonder, that's dangerous. Wanting uh, even even if your intentions are good, like Ezra's are, it's dangerous, man. Watch where you, be focus on where you are and be happy with what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, great, uh, great examination of why that line is powerful. We took a great trip through uh, yards <laughs> and improv comedy and all sorts of other places. Uh, but that is really the power, I think, of this scene in this line. Uh, and it, it is very effective in uh, enraging Maul. I think that for me, that is because he is just he's cutting to the quick of this is what you're you might not be willing to admit it, but this is what you're feeling now. You have you have lived your life, Maul, in this uh, desire to be more powerful than everyone. To You, you started as this uh, Sith that was going to help uh, take over the entire galaxy and slaughter all the Jedi, and you were going to rule all, and then that didn't work. So you started another uh, crime syndicate and another crime syndicate, and you tried to manipulate Ezra, and here you are all these years later, uh, and all you have is your desire to kill me. And if you do it, what are you going to have left? I'll be dead. Then what are you going to want to kill something else? So I, I think I think he gets through to Maul a little bit. You know, I think this that's why this is, you know, very close to the inciting line of the actual fight um, of, of pissing him off. Uh, so Maul grunts. Uh, he, he pulls the cane part of his double bladed saber away. He ignites it. He cuts at the sand, extinguishing the campfire. And Maul yells, and what do you have? Obi-Wan does not respond. Maul continues, why have you come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No, someone. And then we get a close-up of Kenobi, and we just see the blue light cast on his face as he ignites his blade. Uh, this is a very thrilling moment for me. Is this a thrilling, fist-pumping moment for you? And if so, why? Oh, yeah, it, it's the, oh, moment like here we go uh, but and here's the thing it's so thrilling it's so good this is why i pointed out that uh right right from the get-go you were like hey what is the reason why kenobi ignites it i was so excited so ready to see the fight that that's one of those little details i've missed i i, I quite frankly i've always said i know i've learned i've i've learned to hone the the the, the hone those skills and, and how to watch from you over the years because i can get caught up in the hold my beer this is gonna be great and it is we also have to acknowledge you and I, we always talk about being at the star Wars bar of conversation there. The, most of our conversations are uh, taking shots and going, wasn't that cool. Uh, let's not, uh, let's not lie here. But uh, so it's that it's a deep moment. We'll discuss it, but man, that blade, the, the, you don't even see the blade, right? It's just the, it's just the blue. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, here we go. The bell is wrong. The match has begun. Yeah. It's just the sound and the light on his face. And I think for me, yeah, exactly what you were saying. This is the 
the just the promise of Yoda's line to Luke of uh, always for knowledge and defense. This is pure defense. This is the reason he's out there. He already, you know, helped Ezra. He sent him on his way. If Maul got angry and just left, fine. Obi-Wan's not going to chase him down. If Obi, if Maul just wants to kill Obi-Wan, who, who knows exactly how Obi-Wan's going to handle it? This is about Luke. This is about defense. And he absolutely waits until it is crystal clear that Maul is a threat uh, to Luke Skywalker. So for me, it is a thrilling moment of that is a Jedi who only ignites their blade when it is absolutely clearly unambiguously a time and a moment for defense and then for the just the star wars fan side of it there is the the great hold my beer excitement <laughs> you know i gotta i gotta put this drink down so don't spill it excitement for here we go here we go uh, this is gonna be the fight but there is also that thrill of you know growing up for us with the original trilogy then, you know, thinking, yeah, Darth Maul's really cool from the prequels. Too bad he wasn't, uh, he's only in one movie. Then he comes back in the Clone Wars and to go through this whole journey to get to a point where Darth Maul from The Phantom Menace just threatened the life of Luke Skywalker. But yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to stop him. That's just some great uh, lifelong Star Wars fan. And I'll say lifelong, even if you've only been a fan for five minutes, I think it's a similar thing. Just the power of that. Uh, in the world of Star Wars is really affecting. Oh, totally. And I, the look on Kenobi's face, it's done so well. I'm just, uh, uh, oh, someone. And Kenobi's just like, mm, all right. Nope, nope, not today. Not today. Yep. That's what I was waiting for. My, I have to do this. Yeah. What do you think it says about Maul that he does successfully and quickly guess Kenobi's purpose? You know, I was thinking about that. I, yeah, first of all, give uh, cre- eh, credit of just like, look, he's insightful. This is a vision, you know, you, you, you have, you have this ability, you're connected to the force. And like a lot of Sith, you go this direction, you know, uh, to me, it's like, yeah, you're there. You kind of get it. You're, you're smart cookie, you're smart cookie, but, uh, you, you just want to ruin the meal here. Uh, and that's a, maybe a little, uh, you know, offbeat look at it from, from me, but I, I just, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you're not dumb. You're not dumb. Um, uh, and, and even then how it, it, it also too, doesn't even matter to Maul he didn't pick up on it until then too is also an example of Maul's just this blunt uh, object of rage too. Uh, yeah. But he's also, he's insightful, but he's also a little late to the game too. He's so <laughs> by what's going on in him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really great way to say it is that it, Maul is a fascinating character and, and all dark siders are fascinating because they rely on, on rage and anger and moving forward. But then Sidious is really showing them like, but you have to combine that with like planning and cunning to actually, you know, make it really pay off. And I think we get to see Maul become more and more cunning and trying to figure out what's going to happen next and moving the chess pieces into place. And I think this is that moment where he's kind of just in blind rage. Like, I found him. I get to kill him. I get to hurt him. Great. Uh, But then he has to stop and go like, wait, but he's not. He's really, really not taking the bait. What's going on with him? And then that intuitive part kicks in, that cunning part kicks in. And then I think it just kind of illustrates that he does actually know Kenobi well, that he does actually, you know, understand him on some level. And in a way, it just it makes it even more sad again of like, you know, that that tale of the, you know, uh, the enemies who are kind of tied together and know each other almost as intimately as friends. But it's all through the filter of this constant conflict. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we can go on the uh, long tan- tangent of Maul too, but I just love to, out of all that we've just talked about where it's like, God, Maul, you, you can't even see it. Like, you think he's here defending a, a fire pit? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, or he's just like, he's just still bummed out. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Could be, but, but he does successfully figure out uh, why Kenobi is there and successfully from Maul's perspective, I think he thinks he has baited Kenobi into a fight that he is going to lose. Uh, so then we have a great display of lightsaber tension. Uh, just like his younger self, Obi-Wan twirls his blade and adopts uh, that familiar fighting stance from his Clone Wars days. Uh, Maul ignites his second blade and spins it. And then we see this flat shot of the figures in profile facing off uh, this is a very uh, traditional samurai warrior shot. Uh, it is uh, straight out of uh, Kurosawa, which gets talked a lot about in Star Wars because a lot of creators, uh, Lucas, Filoni, uh, Favreau, uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, pulling ideas and images straight from Kurosawa. But this particular image of the warrior on either side with a flat shot, we're seeing it here. Uh, it's in The Last Jedi. It's uh, Ahsoka and Morgan Elsbeth uh, in Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. To you, what is the power of this framing of this figure on either side in profile with the flat shot building the tension before the fight? Uh, it's it's classic for a reason. It's it's poster worthy. It is it's also a reminder of fo- it, it helps me focus on what are they um, what are they fighting for? It's a good way to frame it. Uh, what's what's the theme? What's the fight? Uh, what side are they on and uh, not just help build the tension of, of the moment to me, but just really highlights, you know, again, Luke and, and Kylo of just, you know, what is, what is Luke standing in front of? What, if, what is Kylo trying to get to? Uh, I love just those classic kind of, um, those classic use of this style. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, I think you're exactly right. I think it is about like different camera angles invite us to see things in different ways the language of cinema that's you know some of it i think is just intuitive and some of it has been developed over time but you know a shot from below is a is a hero shot you know and a a shot at the two figures from above gives you this like bird's eye view with a you know a shot just peeking around a corner makes you feel like you're maybe seeing something you're not supposed to and i think this framing because it's so bare and there's nothing but the two figures it's almost retreats back to this place of neutrality uh like you're seeing a stage play on a proscenium where it's just Mm. it's flat and you decide what is happening within that that frame and i think it invites you to just assess those figures of who are they what is going to happen in this fight based on who they are and most importantly like what do they represent what are they fighting for and I think it's really, really successful, it particularly successful here where we know a lot about Maul and Kenobi. And we have the weight of the history and the color of their blades. And, and they become not just two cool Star Wars characters who are about to fight, but they, they become the symbols of their different perspectives. And there's this great, you know, stillness and almost peace before just the, the chaos of action and they're assessing one another and we, the audience are assessing what they mean. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So great, great samurai shot, very enjoyable. And then after great tense moments of, uh, staring at one another, Mm. um, Obi-Wan changes his fighting stance to a similar pose of his master Qui-Gon Jinn, 
when Qui-Gon fought and fell to Maul. When Obi-Wan changed the stance, was this a cheering moment for you when you first saw it? Uh, and how does it affect you on rewatches? A uh, great cheering moment because uh, it's the Qui-Gon thing. Uh, and, but on rewatches, it just has grown and grown and grown. And, and you know, this, this is, um, well, there's, I'll talk about a little bit about the, the, the actual fight. And there's, the, going back to the time frame uh, which this episode aired and the way discussions of Star Wars were, and quite frankly, still are. This is one of the big moments this episode I looked to of not right or wrong. I'm going to say this carefully. I've uh, done a lot of episodes, a lot of talk this episode about not wanting power, but how <laughs> I personally take in Star Wars and then dig into what it means and dig into, you know, just dig into to um, the themes and lessons and everything. And, and again, uh, all the things uh, that we, we've just rolled out here in Force Center, that fateful day where you <laughs> come in. Can we discuss the themes of Force Awakens? I have, <laughs> I have changed. I've changed a lot because of you, changed a lot because of Jennifer, and a, lot, a lot of our, because of our fan base and how people have reacted to it. It would be so simple. And it would, oh my God, he's doing Qui-Gon. He's, oh yeah, he's going to get revenge for his teacher. Yeah. I don't see it as that anymore. I see, I, I see it. You know, I, I see it just as a fan. I really do believe this is about the fight. The core of the fight is 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 uh, growth versus uh, stasis, the inability to change. This is Kenobi going, I know who you are because who you were then is still who you are. So I'm going to go in a Qui-Gon stance because I bet you're still thinking about it. I bet you'd think now, yes, oh, I be- I've defeated that stance before. And I know exactly what you're going to do because you have not changed where i have grown i really think this is the core of the fight for me that's why i love this moment yeah i 100 percent agree i think it says so many great things about the nature of the dark side this is about uh rigidity in inability to grow a lack of imagination a certainty that uh, rage and strength and speed and power and all these kind of more surface level things are the path to victory. That's why the dark side is stronger than the light side. And Obi-Wan, who, you know, in my imagination is, you know, after years under those twin suns and everything he's been through is he's feeling a little, a little weaker. This isn't, I'm going, this isn't Obi-Wan jumping up and down and I am going to match his energy and his speed and, and surpass it the way he tries in the Phantom Menace, he has grown. And this to me is the, the second part of why I love this scene being the, an ultimate Jedi moment. Obi-Wan only ignites that blade to defend. And the way he's going to win this battle, the way he's going to use the force is knowledge. This is, I I just hear Yoda ringing out, uh, you know, to Luke of use it for defense and knowledge he knows exactly what Maul is going to do. And he takes the time and he looks and he reconsiders and he uses his knowledge of Maul and his knowledge of the past and his knowledge of lightsaber forms. And it becomes immediately, as soon as he changes stances, it's not about speed or power or strength. Mm-hmm. It's about knowledge. And Obi-Wan knows some stuff that Maul doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, it is, it is definitely a cheering moment for me now. I think as, as I was first watching, I was like, Ooh, he's changing. Is that the stance? Why? And, and, uh, you know, still, you know, really wondering how they were going to actually handle the fight uh, in rewatches. Now it is, it's a fist pumping moment because it is a triumph of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we move into the actual fight? No. Cause uh, yeah, yeah, we'll move on. 
<laughs> so the two old foes uh, still stare at one another, even after that stance change. Uh, this is a great Kevin Kiner music moment. It's a, There's sparse, tinkling notes in these intermittent drums that are building the tension. And then with a, a combination of a grunt and a roar, Maul leaps into battle. One blow, a second blow, then Maul goes for that same move that worked on Qui-Gon, smashing his hilt into his opponent's head, and Kenobi strikes his blade, cutting Maul's lightsaber in half and down Maul's chest. Three strikes, and it's over. How do you feel about how quick the fight is at this point? And, and back in the day when you first watched this, or now, is there any part of you that, that still wanted a larger battle? Back in the moment in the day, Yes, I, I, I thought we were getting Phantom Menace Part 2 uh, for 10 seconds after, uh, or, or longer. All right, fine, fine 10 minutes after. Uh, even probably even the next day. This is back when I was doing a weekly review show over, over the old job. And this is even more specifically what I was mentioning, uh, uh, just um, knowing what, knowing also just, you know, hearing Filoni describe like, look, this is kind of like a real sword fight. This is like a samurai sword fight. And they're all, not all crouching tiger, hidden dragon. They're mostly this in real life, right? <laughs> like <laughs> that's literally, that was intentional, but also what it means, everything that you just said about knowledge and, and the things I'm saying about, about what Kenobi knows and what this fight is about dictates that it was not going to be long. That was the point. That was the purpose. And this is one of those indicators to almost take it outside of the fun, joyous conversation we're having here. Joseph, I apologize. But going <laughs> back to this day, uh, this time frame, we're, we're in the 2016, 2017 range, right? Uh, when, when this is out, we are not yet to Last Jedi, uh, if memory serves. And to see some of the reaction to this, like, uh, it was so short. Yeah, I was bummed. Which, by the way, great normal reactions, because in that, in that moment I had it too. But this is where I think it, it, it is, it's just rewarding to go deeper. I really do. And to see what this is about and listen to what the creators are trying to tell you, what they're trying to show you, and the choices they made to tell this story. It's really powerful. And this is one of, this is one of, those, I go, this is one of those little dividing line moments where I thought, uh, you could have gone and you still can go to the, it should have been longer. Great, solid opinion. I want to know why and how you envision that would have played out and what's the story behind that? That's yeah. knowledge, growth, compassion comes a little bit later here. Empathy. We already got a little bit of that. It's going to factor into it. But all the things you're talking about, knowledge that this guy didn't grow. That's the story here. That's why it needed to be this short. Yeah. Yeah. And Kenobi's knowledge that he didn't want to take this action, but he had to to defend Luke. So the only point of this battle for Kenobi is to end it as quickly and kindly as possible. Right. Um so I uh, looked it up. Uh, the air date, uh, according to Wikipedia, was March 18th, 2017. So, yes, before The Last Jedi, which is interesting because, again, it's a lot of stuff just visual idea wise that uh, really uh, uh, have a great conversation between this episode and The Last Jedi. Um, yeah, I think this is to me a, a scene and a moment that represents the great one of the great tension of Star Wars. And, and I don't think tension is always a bad thing. It is something that, that makes, it's a reality <laughs> that, uh, that things are always in tension. You know, it's one of the ways the force is described is it's that, that tension uh, between all things. Uh, I think one of the tensions in Star Wars is a part of Star Wars is the fun and the thrill of huge jaw-dropping acrobatic fights. And I love those. Yeah. But then there's the tension on the other side that the philosophy is from 
the Jedi from the Force users, uh, particularly the ones who have found peace and purpose, is that's not to be craved. It's fun for us as viewers to see and discuss and fantasize about as a as an escape. Um, and it's you know visually and, and aesthetically beautiful and interesting and all those great things. There's nothing wrong with liking watching it. Mm-hmm. But the philosophy of the characters is that is not to be desired. A great day for me is if I never have to ignite my lightsaber. And if I do, to end the fight as quickly as possible because fights aren't to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. They're a really sad thing that has to happen sometimes. And I think this is what's just getting to the absolute core of that. You that well, doesn't crave vengeance. He doesn't crave mm-hmm. excitement. It's not, yeah. I finally getting you. He doesn't want to prove that he's still got it. He just wants this to be over. Yes. Uh, going back to the blue of the lightsaber. And again, in that moment, in that thrill, missing why he's doing it. It is okay to think in that moment, uh, Oh God, Obi-Wan is going to kick his ass. That is not why Obi-Wan's doing it. It's to defend Luke, to keep in that purpose, as we talked about. Again, I'm remixing it a little bit there, but it all flows into that there of, of, of the why. Yeah, yeah. And again, I always want to be really clear on this. I think it is okay to be supportive of, of the philosophy and the moments where Star Wars storytelling really leans into that. And then there are times where Star Wars is telling a story about people in a different place, and, and we yep. get to see these big exciting thrilling action scenes and i think i enjoy i enjoy both and i think that's fine mm-hmm. i just i only take one as instructional yeah, <laughs> uh, no, for how i want to try to be you know if, if it makes sense in the story for the rematch between kenobi and vader in the kenobi series to be a, a big epic fight and it makes sense in the story i will enjoy the hell out of it you know but that's not what this is to me and look, High Republic's already gotten some great action, and we're going to see Jedi's at high of their power. And again, Lucas is saying, yeah, the fights in the prequels are Jedi's and Sith at the top of their game. Uh, literally, you got Old Man Kenobi and Old Man, old man Maul. They got some back problems probably keeping them from flipping about here in this <laughs> way, too, right? And it's all it's all into it, yeah. Without a doubt, I know you you and I just, in the, it, we're not in the room with everyone listening, so we want to make sure that's kind of part of this. It's just like, no, there's so many aspects of Star Wars to enjoy, and, there, and there's not necessarily right or wrong ways. I just really believe in my heart this is where it can get really rewarding when you dig into what's there. And, and this was, again, this was the moment. I remember sitting on set of that other show just being like, I, but I love this. <laughs> yeah. What? You just want to, you just want to watch the same thing again from Phantom Menace? No, no, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just going to kind of a, a almost nerdy canon, I really like that Kenobi in his later years is like, lightsaber, it's great. You know, you, you can flip around and be clever and all that, but lightsaber fights are, are little chess games and, and they're about, testing the other person and i feel like this style of fighting this much more samurai Mm -hmm. chess move translates to what kenobi is doing in uh, a new hope and uh, it has made me enjoy that fight even more because like he's not thinking he can even remotely take it to vader he is just keeping vader busy and he's testing him and he's you know testing to see like is does Vader still hold any fear of me? You, you know, and, and the, it, that's a chess move lightsaber fight to me. And, and so is this one in, in a specific kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to this uh, great scene. Uh, Maul takes it in for just a beat. What has happened to him? Uh, almost as shocked as the audience. Uh, then he drops his, his blades and collapses. Kenobi catches him before he can even hit the ground. And Kenobi holds Maul 
in a very similar pose that he held two people close to him that Maul killed, Qui-Gon and Satine. So, Ken, to you, what is just the power of that pose of of not letting him fall to the ground, but catching him before he, he hits the ground? This, to me, is almost literally a mending of the wound. Uh, this is, uh, you know, whether it's super, 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 super intentional, and chances are there's a lot of intention behind it, um, but, uh, and that includes the Satine, uh, already, we got already have the Phantom Menace out there in the world. So you animate the Satine sequence and you can easily go, well, let's, let's have it similar to the Qui-Gon death, but to just even, even having it be in the same ballpark as those two previous deaths is about mending the wound. Kenobi isn't kicking dirt on him. He isn't relighting the fire and throwing him there face first into there. Like he, he is, he is mending the wound for both of them. One of them, uh, one of their journeys is ending, fortunately. Something again, something he didn't necessarily want. Uh, at least not one of his old hands, something at his own hand, something he had to do. But but Kenobi answering all that pain in his own life and not letting it get in the way of compassion, it is a symbol to me uh, of all that. Yeah. I think the the pose being similar is a great way, just visual storytelling to drive it home that empathy is is always impressive and i think empathy can always be a challenge but to have this much empathy for someone that kenobi has so much reason to hate you know and and maul killed satine specifically to try to break kenobi to bring him this pain and for this to be this is this is what i have risen above is it's truly sad that it came to this i don't want this and i want to give you whatever comfort i can in your final moments I couldn't allow you to attack Luke, but I didn't want this. And let me give you as much comfort as I can, even though you have caused me great pain. Just that high, high level of empathy. And, and when you, you think through it in anything close to real world terms, imagining having this much empathy for somebody who has caused you that much pain is really amazing. It, it ain't easy. None of the things, none of the things and lessons we're talking about here are easy, which is also part of the Star Wars story. Exactly. So in Maul's final moments, he, he kind of begs, I would say, tell me, is it the chosen one? And Obi-Wan responds, he is. Maul uh, gets out his final words, he will avenge us. And Maul dies. Obi-Wan gently closes his eyes and continues holding him under the pale light of those Tatooine moons. So did Obi-Wan succeed, Ken? Did he mend the old wound? I, I, yes, I think so. And I've always gone back to that, the final words of he will avenge us. Like if Maul said, oh, that feels great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then I will die in peace. It would have been a lot, nice little button. It's not. It's Maul in his lifetime of pain, lifetime of suffering, lifetime of pursuit of power and vengeance. Can only see it in that way. He will avenge us. But there's great peace in that for Maul and the fact that he includes Obi-Wan and an acknowledgement of the pain that Obi-Wan's experienced often in his hand, but all part of it and where it comes from, not Sith, dark side, Palpatine, um, Vader too, at this point, you know, uh, Maul's definitely aware of Vader. So yeah, I love the use of us and that, um, that cuts undercuts any lingering spite that, uh, Maul has for the world with the, with the word avenge. Um, uh, and that's why I almost like it even more. It, it, it's, it keeps in line with, with Maul and his experiences, but where he is at that moment, and yes, comes out of Obi-Wan saying, that prophecy you've heard about, 
Uh, it's him. Again, we can talk about what Obi-Wan really, really believes. And I do believe he he thinks Luke is the chosen one, at least at this point. Um, and, and obviously used to think it was Anakin. But yeah, I, I, it, that that allows Maul to think, uh, he, he, to get the piece that, in the way that he understands. Yeah, yeah. I think a great pointing out that it's he will avenge us. Um, I think that Kenobi mends the old wound as much as he can. And it, Maul could be screaming out, right? Uh, uh, not, I guess not. he's not quite capable of screaming, but he could be still just railing against Kenobi, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But he does. He asks for that little bit of, you know, what could give him solace in these final moments. You know, Maul is kind of asking for it, uh, for a little bit of solace. Um, and I think Obi-Wan gives it to him. Obi-Wan could just not respond. Obi-Wan chooses to give him the solace that Maul is asking for. And and then Maul reflects that by saying us and including, uh, including Kenobi, I think is a great, great uh, perspective and insight. And I, I really love this because it is the classic from a certain point of view. It's uh, a little bit what Obi-Wan was trying to teach Ezra of Obi-Wan understanding like Maul is not capable of turning away from anger and revenge but in his final moments, I will try to meet him as close to halfway as I can of there is this truth, which we believe Obi-Wan uh, believes. And, and we know from the story is of Star Wars of the Skywalker saga it does have truth to it that Luke is the new hope and Luke will be a great challenge to Vader and uh, Insidious and people who have hurt both Obi-Wan and Maul. And from Obi-Wan's point of view, that truth is about hope and light. And from Maul's point of view, that truth of Luke Skywalker's power and potential is all about vengeance. Mm -hmm. And it's just so moving that, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't try to correct him. He doesn't try to withhold it. He just tells him, yep, my truth that for me is about light and hope. You can only see his revenge, but at least we can both agree on it giving us solace about the future, not from the same perspective, but we can agree on this truth. And, you know, that's as much as I can offer you is in the fact that he does is just really beautiful. It's, it's heartbreakingly beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So you uh, are in the camp that does believe that uh, Obi-Wan is not just saying that for the sake of, of Maul, but Obi-Wan now at this point does believe Luke is the chosen one. Why do you think Obi-Wan believes that now? I think it, it it's going to continue to evolve, you know, and, and maybe old Force Ghost uh, Obi-Wan on, uh, at, at, in Bright Tree Village is like, oh, yeah, okay, I see. It was maybe a combination. Uh, um, and I always joke that, you know, clearly Kenobi is not heard George Lucas talk about who the chosen one was. <laughs> He believes it with all of his heart on Mustafar. And up until then, there was, every once in a while, Kenobi had some doubt, right? But he's really con- convinced and convicted uh, in the, uh, his convictions are strong in that moment of when he's screaming, you were the chosen one. Um, yeah. To have this now, uh, and again, the mall, you've you explained it very well, but just in this particular moment, um, I believe Obi-Wan thinks it but i love the it's it's the follow-up it's it's the you know staring out um at, at luke as, as brew or was that mod garrett i don't know mod used to do that impersonation so well of luke luke we get to do that. <laughs> it's almost like 
follow me here. Like did Kenobi, Kenobi says that. And a lot of what you're saying, I really, really, I just really totally agree with like, I, I'm going to say this. I believe this not time to fight. You're going to take from what you need. Excuse me. Um, but that he's watching Luke going, yeah, now he's the chosen one at this point. He's the chosen one. And, and how many times has Obi-Wan had that conversation with himself? And will that be an episode <laughs> episode of Kenobi? I don't know of just, what does that prophecy mean? As I looked up that comment, what did I take from it then? And what do I need to take from it now? And what is true? Um, and is it a combination of both and everything? And can he foresee that Anakin will swing around the end and be the chosen one in the final moment, you know? And, and that's, yeah. all that's going through his head. I don't think Kenobi has it like, yep, yep, no, no, he's the chosen one. He's still asking himself the questions. I think that's part of the end of this of this scene, this episode, when he's, when he's staring at the homestead. But yeah, yeah, I believe he's come to the conclusion that for, for right now in this moment, he's the chosen one. Yeah, I believe that too. And I think that just is down to the power of the uh, the voice acting and the direction that I believe it. It sounds utterly sincere. Everything about this uh, scene of peace and purpose makes me think that he's not saying something for Maul's benefit. He's only saying something true uh, that they can get as close as possible to connecting on. Um, but so I believe that Obi-Wan totally believes it. Uh, I think there's some interesting, is this the truth that he needs to hear? Uh, that yes, Anakin fell, but the light never dies. And, and there is this new hope. Um, I certainly believes that, but you know, going to that next level of the chosen one, the prophecy, um, I think there is the possibility that the Kenobi series will deal with this, that this comes out of a specific experience um, or, or understanding of the force that Obi-Wan believes that Luke is the chosen one. And yes, uh, George Lucas, the creator is uh, on the record saying, no, no, it's Anakin. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I really, it, it, I like the, the idea that Obi-Wan is right. Luke is the chosen one from a certain point of view, because yeah. without Luke's actions, it would not have been possible for Anakin to return and fulfill the prophecy. And it's one of the great stories I love about Kenobi is uh, we see him here with such peace and purpose. And I believe that Kenobi believes with all of his heart that Anakin is gone. Uh, and, and that adds to this, this scene for me as well. Yeah. I think there's also, you know, this is really, really, going down the headcanon path, but how much does he believe Luke's chosen one, but want to leave enough room to not put that pressure on Luke? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's certainly, I think that's everything about that. A new hope scene for yeah. me. If I understand people who find it a little sketchy and it's a, it's a moral gray area. I, I, I am open to many interpretations, but I think it really is that how do I give him what he needs without burdening him? Like, by the way, <laughs> so your father had this prophecy. He dropped the ball. I really think you're the guy with the prophecy. You're like, yeah, yeah, that that's hard to go in on. Uh, so that is really the scene, but I wanted to do a couple of wrap up questions because uh, this is a disc thing that got discussed a lot at the end of this episode. Uh, Ezra uh, returns and there's a nice button to his story about him feeling like he's, he is where he needs to be with his, his family. Uh, nice tender moment. Even chopper gets in on the act of, uh, of putting a gentle hand appendage <laughs> on Ezra. Uh, do you think Ezra tells anyone about Kenobi and, would it matter if he did? I think I, this is a, I never really, despite watching this episode many, many times, this is why I love doing these shows with you, buddy. Cause I've never really stopped to think about this. In the beginning, there's everyone's talking about Kenobi. No, it's Senator Organa said he died and Rex going, believe me, my old buddy, Obi, I'd love if he was alive. So 
I would have to think Ezra at some point would be like, hey, Rex, come here. <laughs> <laughs> or does Ezra know that, hey, after what I just experienced, like, I, if I can't go over there, no one else should either, in a way. Not keeping Rex from his buddy, but like, look, we all we all got to be on this path. So is there a conversation where Ezra does tell Rex, Rex is like, we're going. Nope, nope, nope. You can't. You can't. And does Rex uh, accept that and all that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I imagine he can tell it to, to Kanan and Kanan would have a, a pretty clear um, a vision of, of what, what it all means. But I, I and, and Hera, too. And, and, and you know, later on, does is that. Is that is that why Mon Mothma's like, hey, Bale? I heard I heard you got a friend, or is that a you know? I've always just taken it as Bale and Mothma. No, but like Mothma's like, hey, I was hanging out with um, uh, Hera. Um, <laughs> she said Ezra that you know, choppers run around our base. They met that guy Kenobi, <laughs> you know. So it's fun. Uh, it leaves room for interpretation. Tip of the iceberg storytelling, and it inspires great headcanon thoughts. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I th- yeah, I, I think, you know, Bale's really got that. He's he's still kind of an active Jedi in that he's there watching over the child, but when we really need him, I can reach out to him. And that I love that. It's, you know, I think it's time to dial your Jedi, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that Mon Mothma says to Bale. But yeah, I, I understand the, like, getting caught up in the, like, but yeah, you should tell Rex and they should go get him. Like, uh, I think that there is something to me that I feel like Ezra got it. You know, I feel like he got the spirit of Obi-Wan really focused on you have your life and your responsibility and your destiny and I have mine and I need to be here. Like Obi-Wan doesn't say I need to be here as strongly as he says to Ezra that you need to be where you are needed. Um, But I I wonder if it makes emotional sense to me that Ezra understood that lesson and that he wouldn't have... uh, been upon drawn Maul to Obi-Wan, have Obi-Wan tell him, I wasn't supposed to have to fight him, but you made that happen. That's okay, though. <laughs> why, why, don't you, why don't you go back to where you're supposed to be? And then that he would learn all those lessons and then go, but we got to go back for him, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Ezra got it. So if anything, I, I really like your headcanon that maybe he told Kanan and maybe said, should we, should I tell Rex? I don't want to keep that from him or maybe he still really could help us. And, you know, if Kanan's like, well, you know, if what you sensed was he had a reason to be there and that's where he wanted to be, you know, if he wanted to come with you, he would have, let's just leave, let's leave him be, you know, I think Kanan would have said that. Yeah, absolutely. The four, the four, we'll see what the force wills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why do you think this episode ultimately is called twin sons, you know, beyond the, of course it's, it's Tatooine. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I think just wonderfully poetic because of the tattooing thing. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's there. I mean, I couldn't think what else would be answer this. And and I love the shots, too. There's a lot of great shots of the Twin Sons in this episode. Again, not a full episode review. One day we'll go through all of Rebels, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I try to get not too deep too, into it, but I, I see, you know, Kenobi and Maul, uh, two uh, dueling sons in this uh, galaxy, in this atmosphere. Uh, floating above the planet. Uh, I think Ezra and Luke, two uh, different, uh, you know, future Jedi or Jedi in training uh, on different paths, but in the same galaxy under the, you know, same goals, different ways to get there. I think there's a lot of stuff from that that I'll take from it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I think it is obviously the the literal uh, two sons. We get some, some great uh, sons. And I think, you know, just, the idea of twin sons is reminding you of all of these kind of um, 
visions of opposing forces in Star Wars. But there's something about it that I really like in you brought up the really great point that there is a little bit of meta going on here of mm-hmm. Obi-Wan saying, you're not supposed to be in this part of the Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Twin Suns feels like that to me too, because going back to A New Hope, Luke staring out at the Twin Suns uh, and wondering about his destiny, hearing that big force theme. Uh, it, it's almost like as a phrase, Twin Suns is shorthand for destiny, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what this as an episode of rebels that's what this is dealing with right of what is ezra's destiny where should he be and why uh so there's something about that to me of like i wonder if it's a little bit meta to be like twin sons is how we say destiny in star wars without saying destiny well, big well said from there and i love uh, you pull it this is this is definitely a um a special episode of rebels it's almost a side short film on the side and and there's a lot of truth to that but as a Rebels episode, what what is the why of it? And and you touched upon it there, Destiny, Ezra, and, and the choices you need to make. So absolutely. Yeah, awesome. So I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, I've got a fun question. But before we do that, is there anything else? We've said plenty about this uh, scene. But is there anything else that you wanted to add in conclusion before we uh, close with our our fun question. A couple of things you touched upon the uh, voice acting, uh, you know, uh, Sam Witwer and, and, the, and the famous shot of him in the booth yelling. Kalobe! I mean, it's so well, he just, he just really zoned this uh, character and it's, and it's for many people there. Maul, Stephen Stanton takes over for the, you know, the Kenobi role, James Arnold Taylor. You can hear him in the beginning of this episode. Uh, obviously James Arnold Taylor is, is uh, just a, fantastic Kenobi. I think Stanton uh, did an amazing job, uh, not just sounding like it, but capturing and able to pull off those little moments, like you said, of like, oh, I seem to have found it. And, and uh, you know, the tiny moments here, I, I, I highlight to them. And then also, uh, we mentioned again, but Henry Gilroy, it's a name that is not in the conversation a lot. Uh, p- people know him, fans know him. Uh, he's not as actively involved, but he's, he's out there working in this city. And uh, has so much to do with the formation of Clone Wars as the show that we all uh, grew to love, and so much with uh, to do with what made Rebels so powerful and so deep or beyond the surface. And that's not a, uh, taking away Filoni or anything he's done, and, um, and not even about that. It, it's just, it's a name that's not mentioned as much. And if you go back to early, uh, just, uh, I stumbled on that one old article. I was looking for some research for one of our shows. And I remember I kept, kept citing it. We were talking about the early Clone Wars stuff on the Clone Wars Report. It is an interview with Filoni and, and Gilroy before the show came out, but after I think the movie was out or around that time or in promotion of the movie. And they're treated as the duo that are bringing you this show. Uh, mm. things change. This is again, it's not like some felony pushed him out or any of that junk. This is not gossip type stuff. Just, I, I, I really, really believe Gilroy has, has molded some of the deep, deep, deep stories in Clone Wars and now Rebels. And, and I just love uh, his involvement in this episode. It was just perfect. Yeah, I think it's great to shout out, uh, all those people. Uh, James uh, Arnold Taylor, obviously, great job. Uh, is Obi-Wan uh, across uh, many different uh, Star Wars storytelling platforms and moments. Steven Stanton does a great job uh, with uh, nailing the mood and the tone and the, the wisdom and the kindness and the snark. It's not an easy job to match Alec Guinness, the subtlety of that performance yeah. in the variation of tone uh, within this one larger tone of being 
the Obi-Wan of peace and purpose. And he does an amazing job and totally agree with you on Henry Gilroy. I think it's, uh, I think it's a thing that just happens sometimes, you know, uh, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan and uh, Lynch, you know, has certainly done a lot of Twin Peaks things himself, but it's David Lynch and Mark Frost. And sometimes Mar- the Mark Frost just drops away. That's a thing that happens in, in the uh, in the industry and the way we consume entertainment, and I think it's uh, really great of you to take a moment and just if you're watching an episode of of Clone Wars in particular and going like, "Wow, this one was great. This one really got to the core of what this is about." A lot of times, it's going to say written or co-written by Henry Gilroy, and and that's a thing to be celebrated. Yeah. All right, fun question, Ken. If you could be at a campfire with old Obi Wan in this era, what might you ask him about? Look, obviously, there's going to be some. Uh, what was your favorite meal at Dex? But um, without being salacious, without being gossipy, without being, uh, you know, uh, going too far down that direction, I would probably look at Kenobi and be like, "Hey, man, what happened with Satine during that year? <laughs> How, what happened with you two crazy kids? Why were you ready to leave the Jedi Order?" It's storytelling I want as a Star Wars fan. If I'm at a campfire with Kenobi, I'm going to ask him. Yeah, I, I would I would give him a little bit of grief about. So you said that you would leave the Jedi Order if Satine asked. Mm-hmm. So you put this all on Satine, didn't you? And see how that conversation goes uh, with Obi Wan and his his growth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I it, it's a ongoing joke, but it's also uh, from a place of love of like you know, do you miss Dex's diner? <laughs> Like, you know you miss the Jedi Order and all that, and you know you miss Anakin, but you know do you just miss hanging out? And I guess the, the other thing I would ask him is, I know there's uh, probably some not great things about living on Tatooine, but is there any is there any little creature comfort you enjoy? Is there any like you, you like eating this particular kind of lizard, <laughs> or you know every once in a while when you go into town, you you have a, a real safe, real casual chat with the uh, this uh, one particular you know person who. Uh, sells this kind of fruit you know is what what little bit of joy have you found in your in your difficult jedi life yeah that's great i would love to hear it love to hear lots of things obi-wan has to say and we're lucky to have so much storytelling with obi-wan and uh you know part of the reason that we wanted to do this episode now is because we're still a ways out from actually seeing the show but there is great excitement about the kenobi show and think there's a lot uh for it to cover and examine and explore with great depth. Uh, I would be happy if it was just Ewan McGregor uh, going to the cantina once or twice and maybe running into Bosk. I'd be fine with that because I'd be uh, happy to have more Kenobi content. But I think uh, scenes like this remind us of how rich uh, the tapestry of Kenobi's life is. And I'm looking forward to finding out more of how he got to this great place of peace and purpose so uh, with that ken do you want to tell people where they can find us would love to on twitter at force center pod we are also on instagram and youtube facebook pages force center podcast podcasts available on anchor iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher tune in and now amazon music merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center patreon.com slash force centers where you can support us directly and get into that discord community uh great uh force center discussions and, and just uh community fans 
going on over there. we got our own things as well. You can go to at Catnapsuck or catnapsuck.com and follow all my adventures, including the new one, Good People uh, GPA, Good People Association, uh, digital brand network production, production company uh, that uh, just launched with Josh McCougar. Mark Riley and Eric Bass of the band Shinedown. Uh, a lot of cool things coming and cool people. In fact, since we've literally built a small bar in that studio, Hope to discuss Star Wars with Joseph and Mark Riley in person with drinks in our hand on camera one day. One day. Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. <laughs> so that's my stuff. Joseph, where can they find yours? Yeah, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, comedy albums. Got a show coming up uh, with the double clicks and a bunch of great guests on Valentine's Day. It's an online comedy music variety show. There are tickets for that on that website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Chopper, for Ezra, for that Dubak, for Maul, and for Obi-Wan Kenobi at the campfire, this has been Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.